So today's guest is Otto Thorworth. What's going on, Otto? A lot, man. Man, how's life treating you? Good, good. Doing good? Yes. Awesome. Yes. So, um, so I guess let's start off with with being a jockey. You okay. you no longer race, correct? Correct. But you still ride. Yes. How long did you race? I raced uh, about fifteen years, I think total. Uh, I started in nineteen ninety. Okay. And I quit riding. You know, full time around 2006. Okay. All right. So, so yeah, I guess um, when I really got to know who you were, um, I was a kid working at Lockwoods here okay. in town. And your dad used to come in all the <laughs> yeah. time and hang out. Yeah, we spent a and, lot of time uh, at yeah. Lockwoods. <laughs> but, but about the time that you were off uh, all kinds of different places racing and riding and whatnot, um, I didn't see you a whole lot. You drift in every now and then, but he would come in, I don't know, a couple times a week, two or three right. times a week and hang out. So, uh he was a he's a neat fella. I enjoyed yeah. talking to him. Yeah. All that all that old usual crew that that would come in and hang out, Mister Camry. There was there was a great <laughs> group of guys. P Junior. I yeah. mean, man, I grew up in that store. Basically, yeah, yeah. I think I, most of Hot Springs grew up in that store. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was fun. Oh man, that's Lewis crazy. Goats was an awesome guy. He was. He was. And then you know, Red Red yeah. Tugler managed it for so many years. Red was a. I don't think I could do fractions in my head now if it wasn't for red. But he would quiz you, you know, he'd say, Okay, what's a you got a coat that's thirty bucks and it's fifteen percent off, how much is it? And he would expect you to know, you know, tell me now. So you had to figure that out on the fly. He taught me something public school and couldn't do. Yeah. But, uh, so so where's some of the places that you raced? Oh man, I've raced all over. I uh raced here at Oakline, uh all the Kentucky circuit, Churchill, okay. Keeneland, Ellis okay. Park, Turfway. Um, I rode some in Ohio, kind of finished my career actually in, okay. uh, Ohio, right there in Southern Ohio, Northern Kentucky area. Right. Um, I spent a year out in Oklahoma, rode a couple summers in Louisiana, Louisiana Downs. Okay. Spent a few summers in Delaware. I mean, it's, it's a business that moves you around <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I've known a few people in that business and they are always on the go. And that's one of the things that really kind of reason i got out of it i got a family and it, it just got harder and harder yeah. to move them around and, right you know kids started getting into school and it mm-hmm. just you know i finally decided it was time to park in one spot for right. a little while so what do you uh i guess are you, you're still riding now so what do you what do you do um i guess what does the average day for you consist of riding now uh here at oakland this is the first time i've been back to oakland and maybe I don't know, I guess about four years, okay. but, um, I'm, I live in Indiana now okay. and, um, I work at a track up there, uh, Indiana Downs. Actually, it's called Indiana Grand now. Um, and I started a business about three years ago, uh, called Auto's Equine Therapy. And, um, when okay. I was filming the movie, I found out about this technology called magnetic wave therapy that okay. uh, they use on horses. And I actually, it was used on me. I, my back was really messed up and a guy used it on me. And I mean, I was amazed at how well it worked. Really? And so, uh, I bought one of these machines and started working on horses with it. And so an average day for me, I, up in Indiana, an average day for me, I come in in the morning at about five thirty. Um, I'd gallop anywhere from eight to 10 horses in the morning, usually yeah. get done about 10 30. And as soon as I did that, I'd switch into my shorts and my tennis shoes and I'd start hitting the barns with my machine and, uh, treating horses. And, um, that would, I mean, it could go anywhere from 1030 to four in the afternoon or some days, maybe I'd get done two, 
clock, you know, just depending on how many horses I had to treat that day. Okay. And then um, up there, I'm also the racetrack chaplain. Okay. And so I spent a lot of time, you know, in barns around the grandstand, you know, just, you know, talking with people, meeting with people. I do a devotion in the jocks room uh, okay. with jocks each day. And then we do a service one night a week up there. Awesome. So I, I got cool. pretty full days. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Sounds like you do. So in all these running rounds, have you ever run into a guy, um, I believe you lived in Kentucky by the name of Kevin Worth? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know Kevin very well. I uh, I met Kevin through fishing. Okay. And uh, he, I, I drew out his. He probably a, does that more than anything. <laughs> you know, I think he got into golf now. Yeah. I think he's, he's a I, very good golfer. I too. think he, he told me at one time, he said, if I ever quit fishing, I'm just going to go play golf. Yeah. And uh, I don't think he fishes professionally anymore. But I do remember uh, I, I drew out with him at a tournament. And here on Washita, and I met him at his hotel room, and loaded all my stuff up in the boat, and we went straight across the street to the gas station, and he got five packs of Marlboros and two lighters, and he <laughs> said, "If we run out of these, we're going home." And I'm not kidding, and and it was one after the other, and I'm like, "How does this guy breathe? I, just, I don't, I don't know how this guy can breathe." And so I finally asked him about a quarter of the way through the day. I'm like, hey, what do you do on days when the camera's on you? He goes, well, sometimes they have to just turn it off because they won't let him they smoke on film. I never so, thought about that. Uh, yeah, sometimes they just have to turn it off. Uh, he's a character, a little thin, yeah. wiry guy. He was a uh, – and I, I don't know. He Did he – I know he was into dentistry, horse dentistry, yeah, I guess, at one time. Yeah. But did he ever race or did he just uh, – He did. He uh, he started out kind of like everybody else in okay. the backside, you know, and mm-hmm. I, if I'm, I'm – 99% sure he actually rode in a derby one time. Oh, you know what? I think I remember derby. hearing that. I think but, I remember uh, hearing that. I met Kevin, actually. I was in Texas uh, learning to gallop when I was 18 years old. Okay. Because uh, I'd never rode a horse my whole life till I got out of high school. But right. I knew I wanted to be a jockey, but you had to learn how to ride. Right. So <laughs> I was down at this farm in Texas, and he was the dentist. They flew him in from Kentucky to come work on all these horses' teeth. And uh, I was holding a horse for him one day, and he's, he asked me about the pond in the infield. He said, they got any fish in that pond, you know? And I was like, yeah, I guess. You know, I've caught a couple, you know, nothing big. And he said, you got some poles? And I said, yeah. He said, why don't we go down there at lunch? I said, okay. So we went down, and about the third cat, well, first of all, he pulls a bait out of my bottle, a rattle trap. This pond ain't five <laughs> foot deep. I'm thinking, what is this guy doing, you know? And he throws that thing parallel down the bank and, Reels it in as fast as you could reel one. Mm-hmm. It catches about a four and a half pounder <laughs> about the third cast. That's when you know you're playing <laughs> on like, a different level. Yeah, I was like, wow, yeah. this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. And, uh, and when I rode, uh, when I was a jockey at Churchill Downs, he was actually a valet in the jocks room. He okay. saddled horses and yeah. stuff. So I, I've, I've been around Kevin a lot. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's he's he was a fun guy. We I really enjoyed him. Um, kept up with him for a little while afterwards and then as life happens you just you yeah. know you just kind of lose lose touch so uh hey kevin if you if you hear this uh call me <laughs> if you're ever back at oakland call me let's go fishing um so back to this magnetic therapy what what is so explain that to me how does it's that work? A, it's electromagnetic therapy it's electric pulses okay. and there's a wand on the end of it. it's kind of circular like a halo okay. and attaches to this machine that's run off a of tesla coil i mean it's like $21,000 for one of these machines. It looks mm-hmm. like a travel suitcase. Okay. And um, like I said, I was in Louisiana filming when I discovered it. But what it does is it, it works like a deep tissue mas- massage for horses. And it gets places that your normal 
magnetic blanket or, you know, even rubbing on a horse aren't going to get. Right. And uh, it works fantastic, like, for stifles and hocks when horses have problems there because there's not a whole lot you can do rubbing-wise on them mm-hmm. there. And, uh, man, it, it does wonders. I mean, I've seen, I had a lady right before I came down here um, in Kentucky called me, and she said, hey, a friend of mine gave me your name you know uh she said i got this mare she's 25 years old and i'm thinking oh lord you know that's that's old, that's old. Yeah. you know and she said they're telling me we're gonna have to put her down you know uh her stifles locked up and you know she's i was just wondering if you could do anything for her she's like family you know mm-hmm. and i'm thinking man if she's to the point where the vet's telling her we're going to put her down i don't know my machine can help her, right. but right. she said it was a stifle that was locking up and this machine works fantastic on stifles. And so I told her, I said, look, I'll come out and we'll check. We'll look at her and see what we can do. And I came out in this horse. I got video of it. She was literally just that leg looked like rid of rigor mortis had said, really? I mean, she was just dragging it behind her. I mean, it was stiff as a board and I, yeah, I had my doubts. I'll be honest. Right. And I told her, I said, let's do three treatments, you know, and we'll put a day in between each of them. And I did. And after the second treatment, uh, the fourth day she calls me and she's like, I got to have your nut or (laughs) she goes, can I send you a video? You know? And I was like, sure. You know? And she sends me a video and this horse is bucking out in the paddock trying to kick the other horses. I'm like, is that really her? She's like, yeah. And after three treatments, this horse was walking as good as you'd want one to walk. So, I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. I use it on myself all the time. Oh, that was going to be my next question is can humans use this? Because um, I've got lower back issues partly because my lower front's, (laughs) <laughs> if i lose about 10 pounds my lower back would be better <laughs> yeah they, a lot of chiropractors are starting to uh put them in their okay practices now um the guy that i get my machine from was telling me they have a smaller model you know built more compatible human size size you know i mean this thing of mine <laughs> goes on wheels and right you know because you're treating 1200 right. pound horses you know right. yeah but uh yeah it, it works fantastic cool so um I guess through your through your riding career, what's uh, what's your favorite track? Keeneland, really? Keeneland. I always yeah. love riding at Keeneland. Um, actually, you know, well, a lot of the riders now don't even know it. Uh, when I first started riding at Keeneland in the early '90s, they didn't have an announcer. They would run their races. It was really it was like a you know old school thing. Right. And so when they broke out of the gate. There was no call all the way around. And when you turn for home at Keeneland, everybody who doesn't own a pair of binoculars would first <laughs> see where their horse was. Right. And I mean, it would just be this roar. And usually most of the time you'd want to have your stick in your left hand because when you turn for home and then people start screaming, the horses would all start lugging in and you'd have to so get toward... them out off the rail. I got know? you. So they're but, going away from the people? Yeah, they yeah. were going away from all the noise. Yeah. And um and it didn't matter what race you won, whether you won a 5,000 claiming race or a stake race. When you came back to the winner's circle, man, the people were cheering. And yeah. I mean, from the minute you got to the end of the grandstand, the closer you got to the winner's circle, the louder the cheering got. That's you cool. Know? And, That's cool. It was a, and people dressed to the nines there. You know, they got the top hats and the ties yeah. and everything. And I lived in South Carolina fun. for a while, and harness racing was big right. in South Carolina. And when... Well, when we first moved there, 
some of my friends, we were driving through some of the back roads. And I'm like, what are those big fields over there? Those, those are polo fields. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm outclassed. I don't, yeah. you know, from <laughs> Hot Springs, man, I don't know anything about polo. Still don't. Never went to a polo race. But their horse racing was different than ours. They did harness racing. And the same way the people got, it was like Derby Day here, only they did it every day right. with race meets there. And they got dressed to the nines and in their, their suits and their hats and their canes yeah. and their wingtip shoes. And yeah. it was, it was something. And, and they brought out all the stops, but those guys that race, that, that harness race are, that's a different breed, man. It is. That's, it have is. you ever done that? No. No. I I've watched it. But I've never. Man, never those guys get tangled up, and you turn into a slingshot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you sling you up. Ah, that's that can't be. Yeah, it can't be fun. But it's it's amazing to watch them run. It's I don't really understand it. Yeah, but um, neither. <laughs> but it's it's like NASCAR with no roll cage. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's yeah. a good idea. It's <laughs> a good way to. Explain. Yeah, it's uh yeah because they go fast and turn left, and then they're really close to each other with open wheels and. And they get tangled yeah, up. No it's inside a mess. rail, really. Not really, <laughs> no. Pylons around there. Yeah, it's a, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, the thing I never understood with it, and I've never really met anybody to ask them a question, is the riders the, or the drivers. Mm-hmm. You know, you see guys your size, and then there'd be a guy, you know, a little bigger than me. And I'm like, Do they got that? a ballast but on them? They said, them on <laughs> they said there, it has to do with the axles that it, it doesn't matter. Really? And I'm like, it just, to me, if you had a, some guy that weighed 110 pounds and a guy that weighed 250, you think that guy with 110 would have an advantage, yeah. but they say that the weight doesn't matter on those. I don't understand. They ought to ask works. the horses. I wish I we could in, the- in, 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 put that into right? red racing <laughs> where the weight didn't matter. <laughs> I think that if you ask the horses, the horses are going to rather pull you than yeah, me. I guarantee you. I, like, I don't so. want to pull that big dude all the way around, you know, four laps. But um, that's that's pretty cool. Um, so um, for for those of you that are listening, um, you guys by now figured out that, um, that Otto is a uh, jockey. Um, but jockeying and your faith led you to something else. It did. It did. Something pretty amazing. It is amazing. Pretty yeah. amazing. So, so what did that lead you to? Okay. And by the way, there's water right over there if you want okay. to buy water. Awesome. Um, man, it's a really awesome story. We got plenty of time, right? We got all the time. We, okay, yep. Cool. You, you got all the time you need. All right. Um, in 2005, 2005, I had gotten burned out on racing. Um, you know, fighting my weight, moving around from town to town, and I decided to take a break. And so I moved back, you know, came back. Well, I didn't move back. My family was here. Came back to Hot Springs. And during that time, uh, I was going to First Baptist Church, and I met a good guy that was in my Sunday school class, and we quickly, you know, became best friends. He was an avid duck hunter, and like to fish and stuff, which I'm a big outdoorsman. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we hit it off real quick. And uh, he had just opened up a car wash in town. And he needed somebody to manage it for him because he, he was in chemical sales. And he was always on the road. So so I took the job. And, you know, about four or five months into it, uh, we are in church one day at First Baptist. And well, actually, we're in Sunday school. And we're in our class, and it was like the young professional class. Everybody was, you know, probably in their 30s, you know. I, you know, up, when I was riding, I fit in well because everybody in there was making six figures just about. Right, right. <laughs> At this point, I wasn't, <laughs> but it didn't matter because right. everybody remembered me as the jockey. But uh, anyway, uh, 
we're in class one day and this guy comes into our Sunday school class and um, he looked like he'd come off a road construction crew. You know, I mean, we're all in there in suits and ties, you know, mm-hmm. khakis. And he's got on dirty jeans, work boots and a flannel shirt. You know, I mean, he stuck out like a sore thumb. And um, we're having our, you know, I introduced myself to him, you know, just try to make him feel you know comfortable right and then we started class and we had our study when we get done uh guy leading the class he says you know is anybody you know got anything they want to add before we close you know and this guy ain't said a word all all day he just sat there you know and he kind of lifts his hands up and uh he says i just want to know is there anybody here that thinks there's more than what they're experiencing and the crazy part was just three days earlier spencer and i had been sitting in the car wash and had that exact same conversation. We had said, you know, I just feel like there's more than what we're getting in church. You know, right. we, we need to go deeper. We need to dig in. And so, uh, you know, when that, when that guy asked this question, we just looked at each other like, did this just yeah, happen? Right. You know? <laughs> and so um, fortunately after class let out, Spencer was bold enough to go, talk to him you know i'm not believe it or not i'll talk in front of a thousand people but you put me one-on-one in front of people sometimes i get a little locked up a little shy (laughs) you know but um so anyway spencer you know connected with him and they started going to lunch and stuff and uh, what this guy did was uh he discipled us you know he took us to level of our faith of we didn't even know existed, you know, he showed us, you know, we went through the book of Acts, we sat down, he would come up to the car wash, you know, and we'd have Bible study right there in the office, you right. know, and we, you know, he, we would look at the Bible and actually, you know, read it. And, you know, we got to thinking, you know, when we look at it, it was like, you know, if you just, if you had nothing else but this book, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't have a pastor or a church to tell you how to live. If you just looked at this book mm-hmm. and tried to live life out of this book, you know, would I be doing it the way I'm doing it right now? Right. And the answer was a clear no. no, no <laughs> you know, yeah. I was like, no, definitely <laughs> not. And, you know, you just started seeing it for what it was. And what happened, you know, I mean, the word came to life. And, right. um, you know, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was just like scales fell off my eyes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the word just everything about it just came to life. Right. And so um, it was a really neat time. At that time, I'd gone back to school out here at uh the community college got a got certified as a emt yeah so i, I know one of your uh, one, one of the guys that instructed you uh, we were talking matter of fact i borrowed one of the cameras from him this yeah. morning and he said who are you who have you got and i said otto he's like otto i said otto thorworth and he goes oh yeah he was one of my uh he was one of my students in emt school so yeah 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 so uh which is something I didn't know about you. I didn't know yeah. that you'd gone to EMT. Yeah, I, yeah, like I said, I've done it all. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I don't want to interrupt. Keep I going. did that. And um, so I was working in the village at the time, uh, up in Hot Springs Village. And up there, you don't get a lot of calls. It's right. pretty quiet. You know, it was right. a great place to start out, mm-hmm. you know, because you weren't running all the time. Don't get thrown to the wolves don't get on thrown the first to day. Wolves right, right off the bat. And so uh, we had a lot of quiet time. And, you know, when I'd first started the job before this transformation in my faith, mm-hmm. you know, I would sit there in the recliner and just watch TV all day. Right. And just binge watch TV. Mm-hmm. And um, then after this change, I would just go to my room, pull out my Bible, and I would just read. Mm-hmm. I would read that thing six, seven, eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. And it just, man, I couldn't get enough of it. And so uh, 
one day I'm reading and I read Jeremiah 29 11, you know, he talks about the plans that he has for us mm-hmm. and, you know, plans not for harm, but for good to give you a hope and a future. Right. And so I'm like, okay, you know, God's got a plan for my life, you know, why not ask? You know, let's just ask him what, what is right. it? What you got? <laughs> you know, and I, I was at this point in my life where I'd push all the chips into the middle of the table and I'm like, you know, whatever you want me to do, I'm in. Mm-hmm. You know, you just tell me what direction to go. That's not for the weak of heart. It's not. Because I did that not too long ago. (laughs) I quit a job over it. And I don't think, and my boss was a friend of mine. I don't think he really understood why, but it was over a a pretty good slap in the face that I got one morning during quiet time. Yeah. It's not for the, it's it's not not for the week. It's not not for sure. Mm. And so, uh, I just hit my knees right there in my room, leaned down on the bed. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And as clear as you and me are talking right now, mm-hmm. I heard, go back to riding. Really? And I was like, <laughs> what else do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> Not that. Any, any of that. Pick <laughs> you know? something else. And, uh, <laughs> and I mean, I'll be honest. I even questioned if that was really him speaking to me. I was like, that could be the yeah. devil because I do not want to go back to the race. I've been track. there. Yeah, I understand. And so, uh, you know, I got this word from him and I didn't like it. And I was like Jonah, you know, I jumped on a boat and headed to Tarshish. I wasn't, wasn't interested in going back to the track. And for six months I fought it, mm-hmm. you know, I was just like, you know, maybe if I just don't go, he'll give me a different <laughs> plan, right. you know, and, and man, it, it was the quietest six months, <laughs> you know, it was just like, you know, every time I prayed, it just didn't, didn't feel like, you know, it felt like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. Right. And it just kept getting stronger and stronger, you know. And so finally I sat down and kind of ran it by my wife. I was like, you know, this is what I felt like God said. I said, it doesn't make any sense to me, you know. She's like, no, I don't, you know, because <laughs> you, you ain't racing right now, oh, you yeah. know. And so uh, my dad and I were going on a hunt in North Dakota, going duck hunting. And uh, we had to leave at Little Rock uh, Airport at like 5 a.m. And so we go over to TSA, get our guns checked in and everything. We're going duck hunting and um, go over to get in line, get my ticket. And there's this kid in front of me and he's by himself. I'm thinking, who drops their kid off at the airport at 5 a.m. in the morning? Right. Rock, yeah, by himself. By themselves. And I, so I'm just sitting there just kind of pondering this, you know. And I look down and he's got ostrich skin boots on. And I'm like kind of kid wears ostrich skin boots apparently a wealthy one pretty well you know? kid yeah well about that time i realized who i'm looking at it's pat day <laughs> not a kid at all i've rode with for years but i mean right. he comes up to about here on me so right. he's little and and I, I hear him talking and i'm like what are the chances of this and pat you know me mate doesn't know pat is very strong Christian, very strong in his faith. Right. And so I thought, boy, is this not a divine appointment, you know? And right. so he turns around, you know, and sees me and, you know, we hug. I hadn't seen him in years. And I said, man, I said, you're just the person I need to see, you know? He said, really? <laughs> What's going on? And I said, well, I, I said, I've rededicated my life to the Lord, really pushed all my chips in the middle of the table. And I said, I'm in a spot right now where I'm kind of confused, you know? Right. And uh, he said, well, what flight you on, you know, and it turns out we're on the same flight, first leg. And so, uh, he says, well, I'll meet you down at the gate. And he said, well, see what, see if I can help. And so I 
lay it out to him. I say, here's what's happening. Here's what I feel like God's telling me to do. Makes no sense to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And just as calm and just like the answer just came to him. He looks at me, he said, Otto, he says, you know as well as I do how few people there are on the backside of those racetracks that are willing to share the Lord. He said, I would imagine. He said, if he's calling you back there, I'm sure there's a reason. Right. You know? And mm-hmm. I was like, it made sense, but it wasn't really what I wanted to hear. Right. You know, still. Mm-hmm. And so I went to North Dakota and uh, about the third day hunting, there was this uh, row of uh, like cedars behind. I think it was used to block the snow. In the lake yeah, because it, it was like on a. I'm in North Dakota and the wind never checks up. It's just house, you know, <laughs> right. like snow yeah. block. But uh, I would walk through these cedars during midday just praying you know it was a really neat place because they were nice and rows you mm-hmm. could walk down nobody was around mm-hmm. and i was out there praying one day and it was just like i just felt that you know it's time to time to give in you know right and so uh i did and i called my wife i said look i said i'm gonna go back to racing you know she's like are you sure i said yeah i'm sure well we had been trying to sell our house once i, I had a nice house on the lake more than I could really afford, you know, when I wasn't a jockey. I could right. afford it fine when I was riding. Right. And so we were trying to downsize, and we'd been trying to sell this house for over a year. And it hadn't, we, I mean, houses are selling on our street for less, mm-hmm. for more money, less square footage. And, you know, I'm just scratching my head going, why can't, you know, our house sell? Well, uh, we'd finally just taken it off the market. And I told her, I was like, well, put the house, call you know, realtor, put the house back on the market, you know, and we'll see what happens. And that was like on a Wednesday. I got home the following Saturday and we already had a contract on the house. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I see, I see how God's working. This, you Stuff know? starts He's falling just, into place when it's I supposed mean, as to. Soon as, we, as soon as I gave that commitment, man, things just mm. started falling. And right. uh, so we ended up, uh, you know, I was like, okay, where am I going to ride? You know, and I mm-hmm. prayed about that and I kind of felt led to go back up north because I hadn't rode in a couple of years and I need to get fit again. And I didn't want to do that in front of, you know, people at Churchill. So right. <laughs> I decided to go to a smaller track up in Ohio, kind of get my legs under me and get my clock back in my head and everything. And uh, so we did that. And uh, we moved to this, what we did was, once I said, again, I said I was tired of moving my family. So I looked up to that area, and you had Churchill, you had Turfway, you had Keeneland, you had Ellis, uh, River Downs. There was all these tracks, and I just kind of found the center of them and just <laughs> put my finger there. I was like, Planting right, yourself what, in the middle. VV, Indiana, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's in VV, Indiana, you know? So I went up there. I took a couple of days off from work, went up there to try to see if I could find us a place to live mm-hmm. and uh, found my dream home. It really? was a foreclosure. Yeah. Well, actually, we had looked at it when we were here and it was like, man, look at this place. But it was like two hundred fifty thousand dollars you know mm-hmm. something i wasn't interested and then uh we get up there and i'm with the realtor and she's showing me i was looking for a log home i'd always wanted a log home and so we're looking for those and um she we just can't find anything you know that really feel like you know it's what we're supposed to get and so i show her this i tell her about this house and she looks it up and i said this is kind of what we're looking at but of course you know not in that price range you know if right. you could get something with the land because it had a little land and it was kind of out in the country and so she said all right let me look tonight and i'll 
pick you up in the morning, you know, we'll start again. Well, she comes back the next morning. She says, you're not going to believe this. She said, that house that you showed me, she said, it's been foreclosed on. And I'm friends with the bank, banker that owns it. And he just wants to get rid of it. And we got this huge <laughs> house for a, about a fourth of what it was worth. That's you know? amazing. And I was like, all right, God, you're just That's showing amazing. off now. Yeah, now you're <laughs> showing off, right? And so, uh, so fast forward a little bit, we get in the church there and, you know, like I said, I'd always kind of gone to a Baptist and I grew up in a Methodist church. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, I was ready to stretch, stretch myself a little more. So I started asking around, you know, you know, I was looking for a little more charismatic church and my daughter's first grade teacher, you know, I was talking to her one day and I said, well, we're looking for a church. I said, you know, she's like, oh, what do you want? You know? And I told her what I was looking for. She goes, say no more. She says, VV assembly. That's where you belong. <laughs> she said, that's your church. If you're wanting, that's the one. you know, there, there's some holy rollers down there, you know, <laughs> I said, okay, so we'll try that out. Well, we go to this church and the first day we walk in, you know, we just kind of get in, sit in the back, you know, we're going to check it out. And about halfway through worship, this lady comes up to the front, takes the mic from one of the worship leaders. She said, young man in the back, you know, with the woman and little girl, you know, I mean, just points me out. I'm thinking, man, this is weird. Why is this lady zeroing me out right off the bat? Mm -hmm. And she said, the Lord spoke to me. And uh, he said, you've come here from a long ways. And, but you're trusting him. And he said, keep trusting him. He's, you know, and I, she's just reading my mail, you know, and right. I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. I've, I'd never been in a church that dealt in the prophetic, you know, and so it's, it's ringing my bell, you know, God's right. really going, okay, see, I brought you here. I'm giving you confirmation for right. everything. Well, about two months down the line, you know, we end up staying at that church about two months down the line, the pastor's closing one day and, uh, my wife's close to having our second child. She's about five weeks away. And um, after we get done with service or rounding up the service, he says, Otto, he says, uh, if you don't mind, I, I really feel an urgency to pray over your wife, you know, and this baby. I said, okay. So we come forward and a couple of the elders come up and they're praying over my wife, you know, and I'm just kind of standing there with them. And pastor looks up at me. He says, I got a word for you. He said, the Lord says you're going to ride a champion. And I was like, wow. Okay, now this is really starting to make sense. I just left too soon. Right. <laughs> He's got a good horse for me somewhere down right. the line here. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, that's cool. Well, turns out my wife went into, had to be induced. She had preeclampsia and the, had the baby before the next Sunday. Wow. You know, so he was spot on with that, yeah, you know, right. praying for her because there was a lot of health. I mean, her blood pressure went through the roof and mm-hmm. they had to hurry up and get the baby out. And the baby was born early. She's four pounds. And, you know, it was just a lot of stuff. And so, uh, so now I got this prophecy that I'm going to ride a champion, you know, and I'm riding at Beulah Park in uh, Columbus, Ohio, which is about as small a track as you can get at, you right. know. And so I, I ended up leading rider there, you know, had a good meet. And then we went to River Downs in Cincinnati and ended up leading rider there again. And then over the next year or so, it kind of snowballed into getting me back to Kentucky. And uh, so I get back to Kentucky and I really get rolling. Uh, I was leading rider at Turfway Park right before we were heading into a Keeneland meet. 
mm-hmm. and was riding some really nice horses for uh, John Ward, a guy who's won the Kentucky Derby before. And uh, I'm thinking, all right, man, here it comes. You know, this champion's right. got to be right around the corner. And I get this horse for John Ward uh, on Champions Day at Turfway uh, named Beethoven. And he tells me he's really high on this horse. And so uh, I'm excited about it. And they run him, and he wins by like, I don't remember, like 13 lengths. I mean, wow. he just smokes a bunch of maidens, you know, right. just makes it look easy. And everybody starts buzzing. Oh, man, this could be another, you know, derby horse for Ward, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm on it. And Ward's the kind of guy, very few, there's not a lot of him like or anymore. That, uh, if you ride the horse and you do good on the horse, he keeps you on it. Right. A lot of the guys nowadays, you know, you could win the Arkansas Derby on the horse and they'll take you off and put somebody else on it for the Kentucky Derby, right. you know. Right. But he wasn't one of those kind of guys, so I was pretty excited. He's going to dance with the one you know, that brought him, He's huh? going to dance with the one that brought him. <laughs> right. And, you know, there's not a lot of those in this business No, anymore. there's not a lot of those in any business. Yeah, no, they're, they're just, they're, they're a dying breed, I'm afraid. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, I get this nice horse, and uh, the last uh, weekend at Keeneland, uh, I'm riding a quarter-million-dollar race for John on a different horse, and I'm supposed to ride Beethoven opening weekend at Churchill. Well, in this quarter-million-dollar race, this jock comes over in front of me. I clip heels, go down, mm. break my collarbone, oh, suffer no. my seventh concussion in my career, and I'm sitting on the couch that Saturday watching Beethoven when Calvin Burrell just win for fun, <laughs> you oh. know, at Churchill in a $150,000 race, you know, and I'm just like, oh, that hurt. Tough you know? to swallow Tough there. one to swallow, right. you know. And then uh, he came back about four, three and a half, four weeks later, wins a quarter million dollar race with Julian Leperu on him this time, you know. And I mean, mm-hmm. switching right, nobody's staying with him. And right. I'm just like, that's good, you know, maybe I'll get yeah, him back. Yeah, maybe you can get back know? in. Right. But um, anyway, so by the time I got healed up, came back, all my business was gone. You know, that's just part of racing, you know, right. when you're out of sight and you're out of mind. Mm-hmm. And so you had to start over. Start so over. I started building it up again. Well, that summer I was at River Downs and I uh, was doing well. I, was, I think I was second in the standings at the time. And this guy, John Eagleheart, who does a handicapping show there, a good friend of mine, he comes up to me after I'd won a race and he's got this big stack of papers. And he's like, you need to read this and hands it to me. And I'm thinking, number one, I don't like reading that much, you know. And so I was like, what is this? And he said, just read it. He said, it's got your name written all over it. And I was like, okay. And so I took it in the jocks room. I got cleaned up and headed home. Didn't even look at it, to be honest with you. Right. I just, you know, sat it in the car, got home, took it in, threw it on the coffee table, and sat down to eat dinner. And, um, after we eat dinner, you know, I walk over and I pick it up, and my wife's like, "What you got there?" You know, I said, "I said Englehart gave me this. Told me I need to read it." You know, and so I'm looking at it, and it's a script for a movie, and I'm just like, "What in the world is he giving me a script for?" So I call right. him. I'm like, "John, what's what's up with this?" You know, and he's like, it's, "Disney's filming a movie about Secretariat, and they're looking for a jockey." you know, to play the part. He said, dude, you're great in front of a camera. Cause I'd done a lot of just TV spots with him and stuff there at mm-hmm. the track. And, uh, and I was just like, okay, you know, and like, like he's been out in the sun too long. Right. <laughs> you know? And my wife's like, well, are you going to call, you know? And I yeah. was like, man, I said, I'm, you know, I'm on this mission by God to find a champion. I said, I don't have time to try my hand at acting. Right. You know? And, um, uh, 
little more nagging and you know she played the kid card on me she's like think about the kids you know what if they could say their dad was in a disney movie how cool would that right. be which my kids could care less they're, <laughs> not, they're not they're not enthused about it like they're not as enthused about it as she thought they'd be but uh i mean it, it's really weird all of my kids friends are like oh my gosh your dad's a movie i'm like yeah it's no yeah, whatever it's just, it's just dad it's just dad right. i'm just dad to them so uh <laughs> so anyway uh, I call the place, you know, or the casting director, and uh, she's like, oh, yeah, we'd love to have you, you know. Uh, she said, well, how about 1030? And I was like, 1030 when? She's like, tomorrow. She said, the auditions are tomorrow. And I was like, I just got the script this afternoon, you know. Mm-hmm. I said, right. I hadn't even had time to look. Right. She goes, it don't matter. She said, just bring it with you. You can read it right off the paper, you know. Okay. So I go down there, and I'm on my way. And Spencer, my buddy that owns a car wash, calls me. And we, we probably talked about once every two or three months, you know. We didn't, you know, talk every day. And he's like, hey, man, what are you doing? I said, uh, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. I said, I'm uh, driving to Lexington to audition for a Disney movie. <laughs> and he just starts cracking up. He's like, when did you take up acting? I said, I haven't. I, said, I haven't yet. I said, Brandy talked me into this. I said, uh, I said, this is my day off. I said, I normally play golf, and uh, I'm going – Lexington to audition for a movie. Wow. And he goes, Well, what's it about? You know, and Spencer was never a race fan, you know, and so I said, Well, it's about Secretariat. I said, He won the Triple Crown. I said, Do you know who he is? He's like, Well, yeah, everybody knows everybody who he knows, is. Right. You know, you don't have to be a racing fan to know who Secretariat is. Right. And uh, he said, He was like one of the greatest ever, wasn't he? I was like, Yeah, he's pretty awesome. And he goes, Wait a minute, dude. He said, Didn't you get a prophecy about two years ago? about riding a champion and i is all of a sudden the light came Thing on i'm just was. like how dumb can you be and still breathe you know <laughs> i was just like this is it yeah. said, this is the champion and uh and my part that i left out way back like two weeks after the guy gave me the prophecy that i'd ride a champion you know i'm thinking champion you know it can be a breeder's cup it can be just a really nice steak course right. but uh he gets a vision and my pastor is not a race fan he doesn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. And he says, I saw you on this horse. And he said, you had this, like, thing, drape, these roses draped <laughs> across your lap. And I right? was like, oh, gosh, this is a Kentucky Derby, you know. Right. That's the only race they put roses across your lap. So right. I'm thinking, now nah, i got a big order, you know. Well, then, you know, once again, Secretary won the Derby. So right. I was like, wow, you know, God. Well, it's weird how all that, all that had to come place. together, you know, yeah. for this to happen. And, um, and it did, you know, and I walked in there and did the audition. It went fantastic. I walked out the first day and this lady, you'd have thought Brad Pitt audition for this part she was like oh my gosh that was so good you know and i'm just like all i did was read off right. a piece of paper you know i didn't even really put a lot of emotion into it or anything right. and uh you know at first my first thought was okay i'm one of the few jockeys that came in today that could actually read because right. <laughs> most, <laughs> yeah, most of them don't make it out of sixth grade but yeah i was one of the few that actually graduated but uh but yeah i mean god was in it the whole way and i i left that day and um about two weeks later, they called me back for a second audition, and I did that one. That by then, I had all the lines memorized. I was ready that time right. when I came in and right. did that, and then I left. And I wasn't even home yet. It was about a two-hour drive, and they called me back, and they're like, "Can you come back tomorrow?" And I'm like, "I was just there," <laughs> you know. And they're like, well, "Randall Wallace wants to read with you tomorrow." Who was the director? Right. And I was like, "Oh, this is getting." 
serious just now. Just turn around and stay in Lexington and go home. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, well, actually, I did go back home, but a buddy of mine uh, who's a podiatrist up there, a good friend of mine, Jamie, he's like, all right, we got to study. You know, right. He kept me up to like 11 o'clock that night, you know, delivering these lines and drilling me, you know. <laughs> and so I went in the next day, and Randall was the coolest dude. I mean, he was just as late. It's just like talking to you. I mean, he, we sat down, and we didn't talk about the movie. He asked me, you know, where I was from, and mm-hmm. he had actually uh, graduated from seminary. Really? You know, he's like, you know, tell me your story. You know, how'd you get here? And I was like, you won't believe this. Yeah. One, you know? yeah. And then once I told him, you know, then I found out he was from he had graduated from seminary and then he was a believer. Which and, is hey, and that's another kind of a bit of a divine intervention. That's not really an industry. That's, no, it's that's not. steeped in it's not in in faith. Yeah, I hate to and, say that. But yeah, it's it true. is. It's the truth. And mm-hmm. uh, and Randall, if you, when you watch Secretariat, all of the spiritual tones that you see through it from the reading of Job at the very beginning and right. Oh Happy Day and you know different little things those were all him that wasn't wow. in the script okay. that was little stuff that he'd kind of add in there you know and right. when they got ready to premiere it they start testing it mm-hmm. and Disney didn't like it you know and so what mm-hmm. they did was they put a version with the stuff he'd added to it in there and then a version without and the Stuff he had added into tested through the roof. So, like, nice. okay, we're keeping it. We're keeping it. <laughs> you know, everybody likes it. At least they went in with an open mind yeah. and just said, yeah, no, they kill it. Just, we don't want that. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but yeah, Randall was awesome, awesome guy to work with. I, everybody was. Diane Lane was just a sweetheart. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan. She, I mean, I like Diane Lane. For, I think, I, I can't remember all the movies, but the one part that she played, um, that really had turned out to be one of my favorites. And it's it's really kind of an, an unknown film for the most part was Indian Summer. Did you ever did you ever see that movie? Uh, she plays a widow in the movie, and it's about a group of kids that are adults now that go back to their summer camp. Oh, and their wow. summer camp, uh, the 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 gentleman that ran the summer camp was they didn't know at the time, but was retiring. And he wanted to have this group, this select group of kids come right. back um, for one more, one more it's go around. Indian Summer. Indian Summer. Check I'll it out. Check and she, out. she's in it and does a fantastic job. Uh, the acting in it is really good. It's a, it's a, it's really a pretty, it's a pretty neat. I think Bill Paxton was in it. Yeah. Um, so it's it some pretty, it's a pretty neat film. And, that, and, you know, a couple of them go throughout the whole movie. They're just like, everything is so much smaller now. Yeah. Everything is so much smaller. I've experienced that. Yeah, so you go back. Yeah, I come back to my parents' neighborhood and I look at this field that we used to play football on. I'm like, yeah. man, that thing used to be, you know, <laughs> we used to go, you know, on these long, deep routes and it ain't 50 yards long. Everything's so thing. much smaller now. Yeah. But, but yeah, she's she's great. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Diane Lane. I mean, she, the first day I was on set, um, they were practicing with the horses to get them used to the cameras because, mm-hmm. I mean, we would be driving down or riding down the track. And they got a Chevy flatbed with a camera mounted mm-hmm. closer than me and you. I mean, literally got it in your face running 35 miles an hour beside this horse running full speed. Right. It was intimidating. I bet it was. But, um, you know, and so they were getting the horses used to it. They had mm-hmm. some just exercise riders on the horses. And, you know, and so I was watching that. Well, then she came on the set and kind of walked down past everybody and sat down on the turn and was just watching the horses mm-hmm. and I, I saw her and she had on a big 
brim hat and glasses. She was very incognito, right. you know, just keeping a low profile. But I was like, that's her. I know that's her. Right. And so I just kind of slipped out and I walked down there, you know, I'm watching, make sure no security was going to pound on me, you know, right. when I got near her. But I walked down there, you know, and she had her back to me. I said, Miss Lane, and she kind of slowly looked. I said, I'm Otto Thorworth. I'm playing Ronnie. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, and she... You know, introduced herself. I'm like, I know who you are. <laughs> you right, know? yeah. No. And, um, and she was just like, these horses amaze me. She goes, I can't believe what y'all do on the back of those horses. And and really, that's the whole way it came about when they, when Disney got ready to film uh, the movie Sea Biscuit, which I love. Right. Uh, Toby McGuire couldn't ride a horse. And really? so what they did was they had what's called an equisizer, which is an artificial horse that mm-hmm. jockeys practice on. Okay. And they would put it on a truck, run it down the track, and get real close up where you couldn't tell that it wasn't a horse. I got you. And so Randall Wallace said, I want no equisizers in this film. I want it to be, this is the greatest horse ever, and I want it right. to be all live right. footage. And they're like, well, there's a problem with that. There's no such thing as an actor that can do what these guys do. You know, he said, well, then find me one of those guys that can act. Right. You know, he said, simple as that. Yeah. And, you know, I was thankful Gary Stevens didn't try out for the park. Right. I thought he was awesome in Sea Biscuit. But, uh, and he was actually at the premiere when I went to the premiere in LA and uh, sat at our table. And, you know, he was very complimentary, you know. Nice. So that was really cool. But yeah, it was just a, it was an awesome experience. You know, I mean, and then you had, uh, I guess, uh, John Malkovich was, yeah, John, John Malkovich. was in it. So how how about John? Is he, uh, is he, is, is he seems to be kind of a mysterious fellow? Yeah, and that's exactly. I mean, you're spot on. I mean, John, he was cool. The very first scene I had in the movie was with him mm-hmm. in the Belmont uh, in the paddock. They did the scene where he lifts me up onto the horse in the paddock. Right. He didn't know how to give anybody a leg up, you right. know, so we had to teach him how to throw me up on the horse and right. everything. But uh, we're sitting out there, and we got out on the set, you know, and I'm just like, holy cow, that's John Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fixing to have a scene with right. him, you know. And so uh, I walk up to him, same as Diane, you know, introduce myself, you know. And, um, you know, I said, look, I said, if there's any – advice you can give me i said i've never done anything like this you know i said and i said you've been doing it your whole life so i said i'm all ears don't think you know don't be hesitate to you know give me any any advice you can give me right and he goes i've been watching for the last week he said i've been sitting in the box watching the races you know he's real Mm -hmm. serious he said if you make a mistake out there he said it might not only cost you the race, but it could cost you your life. Absolutely. I said, you're absolutely right. I said, that's very, you know, most people wouldn't get that looking at horse racing. You know, right. but, but he was studying it, you know, for mm-hmm. his part. And I said, you're absolutely right. He said, in this business, he said, if you mess up, we just do it again. Do it again. He said, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. That's good. Film's I'll take cheap. that. Yeah. He's like, he compared. said, believe me, they'll just keep doing it until we get it right. And, uh, and his scenes, the scenes I had with him were the funnest scenes in the movie because John 
you you've seen it more now since like movies like Red and that come out. Mm-hmm. You start to see his comedic side, but right. for so long he played the sinister, dark, yeah. weird character, and yeah, um, kind of. He is hilarious, really. I mean, he was constantly every scene we did together turned into a Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> he really, did, there's actually a scene in the movie that was cut because he just could not do it. Without joking Without around. Joking. I mean, we just, we had so much fun. It was a scene on a golf course <laughs> where uh, we're playing golf and he just kept on and kept on. And after the first, cu- the first couple of times, it kind of, you know, I didn't know what, because he would throw in a line in that wasn't in the script. Right. And I'd be like, uh, what am I supposed to, to do with that? that? <laughs> you know, and Randall's like, he comes out after the first one, he's like, when he does that, just roll with Just keep you going. Know, I was yeah. like, okay, you know. And so I, he did it, and I tried to roll with my line, and it didn't really match. And so right. he'd do it again, and then I just started throwing them back. And, man, we had a blast. It was all just ad-lib. Nobody was – nothing was scripted. Yeah. But uh, when they got ready to put it all together, like this scene really takes away from the story. So it ended up on the yeah. cutting room floor. But they did put it on the Blu-ray. Okay. If you get the blue, it's not on the DVD. I don't know why, but if you get the Blu-ray, it's a deleted scene on the okay. golf course. Oh, I love watching the deleted scene stuff because yeah. that's that's where a lot of your uh, kind of you get a glimpse into the personalities. You do, you do. People. Like James Cromwell, awesome, awesome guy. Yeah. I've got one scene in the movie with him in the diner. You know where Penny's fixing to try to convince him to invest in secretary. Right. And I walk, and I that was another cool thing. Once Randall saw that I was comfortable in front of the camera and in front of John and Diane. Mm-hmm. He started writing me in the scene. I was only in two scenes originally. Really? With speaking parts. No kidding. And Randall, once he saw I could handle it, man, he started writing me in. He's like, hey, I'm going to put you here. I'm going to put you there. And right. He'd give me a couple lines, you know, and throw me in. And, yeah, which was awesome because I got amazing. to yeah. you know, do it. But uh, we were in the this diner in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And Cromwell's like six foot seven. I mean, he's tall. Big guy. And so they bring him in and they wanted to make it look even taller. So he stood <laughs> on a little crate. <laughs> he goes, boy, you're going to get a reputation. <laughs> he says, if I have to stand on a crate. Right. But they brought him in and in the line, you know, he, she inter- Penny introduces me, you know, which he knows me because I'm a writer, you know, in the film. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, they call you tiny, you know. And uh, it was the line, and I think in that line, I said, uh, they call you Slim. I messed up my line. I said, they call you Slim. He goes, that'd make a lot more sense than Tiny. <laughs> he just kind of turned around and walked, started laughing. Everybody busting laughing, you know. We had to cut the scene and start right. over. But, yeah, wow. he was really, really fun to be around, you yeah. know. And uh, Actually, the scene in the Belmont Ball where I say uh, I was a lot taller if I stand on my wallet. <laughs> uh, yeah, that scene when we were filming the scene in Louisville, uh, I went after the scene with Cromwell and Diane. I'd go over and sit down at the bar and order breakfast. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy who actually galloped Secretariat, Charlie, was sitting next to me, and to my right was this beautiful woman uh, that was Randall Wallace's fiance. She was just an extra in this right. scene, and so Randall tells me, he says, "You know, when you get done with this and go sit down," he said, "Maybe just like." try to act like you're flirting with Elizabeth, you know? And I was like, okay, you know? He said, just, you know, small talk, but keep it low because, you know, we're filming back there. Right. Well, I'm wired. 
Okay. You know, I'm not thinking that. Right. <laughs> and so we we do five, six, seven takes, you know, and I'm running out of stuff to say, you know. Right. I'm just like, you keep saying the same thing. Or right. And so I go over there and I sit down one time. She's like six foot tall, real tall. She looked like Meg Ryan, but tall. But tall. And so I sit down next to her, you know, and I look down and look up. I said, you're awful tall. <laughs> and she looks at me. She goes, you're awful short. <laughs> I said, well, I'm a lot taller when I stand on my wall. And all of a sudden, you hear this huge blast of laughter oh, in the back. Awesome. And it's Randall because he's got his headphones on listening to it. everything. And he comes out there. He said, that was the best line I've ever heard. He said, I got to figure out a way to put that in this movie. Yeah, and so it made it in the wow. Belmont Ball scene. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. So, I mean, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, so it's amazing. The thing that amazed me the most with it you got 350 people, you know, from light, sound, yeah. everybody, costume, mm-hmm. and that place runs like a well-oiled machine. I mean, everybody you never heard anybody going, knows what to do. where is so-and-so, or where is, right. I mean, everything was, everybody was on their mark and had everything that you needed, you know, right. and they treat you, I mean, I was nobody, and mm-hmm. they treated me the same way they treated Diane Lane. I mean, That's they picked nice. me up in a limo, they brought me, you know, to the... Right hotel put me up in the four seasons you know anything you want just sign your name you know right. i ate an 85 dollar steak <laughs> that melted in your mouth you know that i would have never had otherwise that's a life to ruin you right there <laughs> yeah, yeah it would <laughs> uh i got some i've got a friend of mine that uh he um we were growing up and we and we grew up i grew up across the street over here i mean i could dang near throw a baseball to yeah. the house i grew up in we were kids. He always said, uh, he goes, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to make movies. Okay. Yeah. I want to be an astronaut too. Yeah. You know, <laughs> cool. And he was, he was very artistic and he was very, uh, he had an eight millimeter, I think it was an eight millimeter camera that he run around with all the time. And he was all the time, you know, we were, we were filming stuff in the woods behind the house and, and, and just generally acting like heathen kids. And making blood packs and special effects yeah. and shooting each other in the leg with a BB gun, yeah. and, you know, and, um, and so, yeah, he, he constantly, I mean, that was, that was his deals. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make movies. I want to make movies. I want to make movies. And, um, we moved away. They moved away. Um, when we moved back to hot springs, uh, about 95 ish, I guess, somewhere around there. My mom ran into his mom, uh, in Benton of all places. And it was like, well, what's Johnny doing now? It's like, oh, he's filming this little movie. It's a little indie movie that, um. Uh, I don't, nobody really knows much about it, but, uh, you know, if it, who knows what it's going to do. And, uh, well, where's it being filmed at? Well, right here in Benton. Well, okay. Well, how are we going to know, you know, what it is? And she's like, I just watched for a movie called Sling Blade. And, uh, <laughs> oh, wow. and so, you know, we're, and we're all thinking, mm, that's a weird name for a movie, but okay. You know, and, uh, you know, none of us knew. I mean, that was a, that was a launching pad for him. Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. Uh, Rick okay, Dial. So who was the director? I couldn't tell you who the director okay, who was, was the but then? the guy that I grew up with, his name was Johnny Wilson. Okay. And Johnny is now a digital compositor for Marvel Studios in, okay. in Hollywood. So I thought you were going to say it was Billy Bob. No, no. Because <laughs> he's from... He's from Benton. Benton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from around here. Yeah, no, I don't. I knew I'm, he was from Arkansas. Never, never have know. met Billy Bob, but uh, <laughs> I haven't either. <laughs> but uh, but Johnny, that was his man. I mean, that was that was his thing. I'm going to make movies, and uh, that's cool. And he has done. If you pull up his IMDb page, it just reads like a who's who of of stuff that he's worked on. Yeah, and um, 
like I want to say, and I, I hope I'm not wrong on this, but I think it was, um, I think he was nominated for an Oscar for his post production work in Guardians of the Galaxy. So it, you know, it's yeah. just it's amazing at how stuff like that you know falls into place, yeah. and, and and nothing takes a place of hard work. Um, but the, the intersection of hard work and, and, and divine intervention and a little bit of luck is pretty amazing. Yeah. That works out. It is. I mean, you know, that's what, you know, it it seemed easier, to be honest. Right. First really got on fire for the Lord. It seemed like he gave me stuff a lot quicker. Now he makes me wait. Now (laughs) Now he's like, all right, let's, (laughs) let's stretch your patience a little on this one. See where you you get, you know, I had uh, a couple of them struggles. I was telling you earlier when I, I, I quit a job over it, I was, I'd actually gotten to, I'd, I worked for myself most of my entire life. I mean, I just, uh, with the exception of a few years being a kid, I've always just, you know, done my own thing. And uh, I got the great idea that I was going to go to work for a buddy of mine. And um, through no real fault of his, I just was not really cut out for it. I was just kind of yeah. miserable. I wasn't doing my thing anymore. And, um, and I struggled with this and fought with this and, and I went to work every day and tried to have the best attitude possible and put my nose down and, and, yeah. and work hard for them. But at the end of the day, I was just unfulfilled and I was tired and I just didn't, it was, that was pretty miserable. And, um, it got to the, it got so bad that I would get up in the morning and I'd get in the shower and I'd just start praying, Lord, let me make it through the day. Just, just let me make it home in about the same condition that I'm leaving this morning. <laughs> and then we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah. you know? And I would do this all the way to work. I drove to Bryant every every day, and uh, I was uh, I was on seventy east between Hot Springs and Little Rock one morning. And I'm just this is just kind of going over and over. Lord, just let me make it through the day. Just 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 you know, don't feed me to the wolves today. Let me get through it. And um, and like you said earlier, just as clear as being in the same truck. Yeah. You know, he speaks and says, you know. You've asked me for the same thing every day for at least a month, and I've given you what you've asked what for. You asked for. <laughs> but if you want something different, you better start asking for something different. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, did I just hear that? I yeah. mean, is that me? Yeah. Is that me talking, is that me? or is that you know? <laughs> know? So here again, another couple of weeks, I'm still going through this. You know, I'm I'm just not fulfilled here. I'm not. This is not really what. I don't think this is the calling for my life. I I just don't, I don't know what to do. And, and this same, this, the same voice keeps coming back and saying, you better ask for something different. So finally it was a Friday morning. It was about five 30 in the morning. Um, I didn't really know if I was working that day or not. We were supposed to work four tens and be off on Fridays, which a lot of times didn't happen. We'd have, um, you know, we would have, a, a, a some type of call we'd have to go and take care of. And, um, so I was up early prepared to go, but didn't know if I was going to go and, um, just kind of having quiet time. And, um, I finally just gave in and I said, what is it you want? What do you want me to do? Yeah. And just as like you sitting (laughs) in the living room, he said, follow me. And I said, okay, where are we going? going? It don't work that way. (laughs) (laughs) I said, oh, it doesn't work that way. So, so what do we do? I mean, so if I follow you, what's the next step? And he's like, resign. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that's that. A that's a big step, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I can, yeah, I've got a trade I can go back to, but, you know, I can't yeah. just start that again tomorrow and pick up where I left off. So what does that mean? You know, and he's like, resign. <laughs> resign means, uh, resign. Yeah, it means quit. <laughs> so 
I said, well, how, how, do, how, does, how, do, how do I do this? I mean, you know, when? He's like, right now. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not normally, I'm a two week notice kind of guy. I'm yeah. not a, you know, this is it. And, um, <laughs> and he's like, nope, right now. And, uh, I'm like, okay, so how I'm not good at quitting stuff. So how, I mean, do I, do I drive up there and, and sit in the office? How do I do this? Yeah. And he said, I need you to control the conversation. And the only way I think you're going to be able to control this conversation so that nothing gets out of hand is email. I'm like, well, I'm definitely not a quit your job by email kind of guy at all. <laughs> That's just kind of, to me, that was just kind of taking a chicken yeah. way out, you know? And, um, and, and, but I, and I wrestled with this all day long. He's, and he was like, go to the computer, type the email and send it. I went to the computer and I typed the email at like six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I sat on there. it all day long. <laughs> I'm like, this is, I don't think this is right. I don't think this is right. And finally, like, it was like, I don't know, four thirty or five o'clock in the afternoon. It was like, go hit the send button, idiot. I mean, yeah. what are you waiting on? This is what I'm asking you to do. Go do it. And, um, okay. So go hit the send button, you know, and, uh, and, and, and then I just kind of went off the grid for a while, just disappeared, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Oh man, I don't know what kind of fallout I'm going to get over this. I don't, you know, so, and just, just kind of played it quiet for a week. And, um, really had no idea where what tomorrow was going to turn out like i still don't i mean you know i'm i'm winging it one day at a time and um the provision is there week after week it just shows up and it's not that's that's not a man that's not a path for the faint of heart i mean it will test your faith not he will you know when i was uh Really neat story. I want to share with you. Uh, when I was injured, mm-hmm. I was really getting rolling. I was riding Beethoven, and I get hurt. Uh, I was out for eight weeks, and my wife, about six weeks into it, five six weeks into it, she comes to me. She says, uh, "I'm not complaining." <laughs> <laughs> she said, "But uh, I was looking at the checking account, <laughs> and she said we got about eight hundred dollars." In the account, mm-hmm. and I said, "Okay." And she said, first of the month, we got twenty three hundred dollars in bills coming up." Mm-hmm. She said, "I'm just letting you know." You're just throwing it out there. Yeah, yeah. Just putting it out there. Yeah. And I was like, "All right." Well, I said, "You know, gotta gotta work it out somehow or another." I mm-hmm. said, "I'm still three weeks from being able to even get on a horse." Right. And uh, it was Wednesday, and I went to church that night. And our church, we had a thing where we had like a quiet time right before the message where you just kind of pray mm-hmm. and, you know, pastor give a minute or two, you know, and I just said, Lord, you know what I need, mm-hmm. you know, is there something I need to do? You know, tell me, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, is there somebody I need to talk to that can give me a job, get a little money, you know, whatever. Right. And, uh, once again, one of them clear, you know, direct, no doubt. That's mm-hmm. what he told me. There's a lady that uh, has a church out here in Amity, Mary Forsyth. Okay. Hadn't seen her in 10 years. Don't know her phone number. Don't know her address. Nothing. He says, send her $500. <laughs> All right. I'm asking you for money. <laughs> you're telling me to get rid of what little money I got. Right, you yeah. know, I was like, 
that doesn't make much sense. Yeah. You well, know? don't you tell that to my wife too <laughs> yeah. while you're at it. Yeah. Exactly. And so I went home, and that's what I'm thinking. It's going to float like a lead balloon. <laughs> and I tell my wife, I said, you know, I said, I was praying about that, and this is what I felt like he said, you know. She sat there a minute, and she said, well, you know what? She says, we ain't going to have the money to pay it anyway. <laughs> she says, let's just trust him on this one, you right. know. And I right. was like, all right. Yeah, that sounds good. So yeah. I wrote out the check and I called my mom. I said, can you get Mary's address? You know, and she gets her address for me. I send it out, you know, mm-hmm. three days later, I get an envelope in the mail and it's from, uh, I may not have been three, may have been about a week later. I get an envelope in the mail and it's from John Oxley who owned Beethoven. Okay. He also owned the horse that I went down on and right. broke my collarbone. And it says, you know, I open it up and it says, Dear Otto, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate what you do. You know, you put your life on your on the line where I can enjoy watching my horses run. You know, and just real nice letter, you know, I right. understand things happen. He said, I also understand that when jockeys get hurt, there's no benevolence or anything right. for them until right. they get back up. He said, please accept this check is a gift of my appreciation for what you do i was like all right you give me a check open it up five thousand dollars wow and i was just nice. like I, I my wife's sitting across the room and i'm reading this letter and all of a sudden you know i'm just bawling and she's like right. what happened <laughs> somebody died <laughs> you know yeah, they come the IRS, did it. And I, I just handed it i kind of slid it across to her and she looked at it and she's like what's this i said that's check for $5,000 for us to pay our bills. That's we'll amazing. Have, yeah, and I'm, and, you know, we're both crying just like, man, do you see what God just did? Right. You know, all we had to do is be faithful with 500 and he gives us 5000 Well, then fast mm-hmm. forward, I don't know how many years, four or five years later, I'm back here in Hot Springs and I go out to Mary's church and we're having church, you know, whatever. And she she's the kind of pastor, she tells a lot of stories. And she was telling to build people's faith. And she's telling the story about when they had the school and they had a sidewalk that they were going to have poured with concrete. And the concrete truck came, you know, and he dropped his, you know, chute and everything. He's getting ready. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, I need to get a check from you. And he says, it's going to be $500. And she said, well, I don't have it right now, but. God will supply, you right. know, and he said, well, God better hurry up or I'm fixing <laughs> yeah, the truck. don't up. flow out of that truck till I get 500 yeah, bucks. Until, if God don't do it quick, <laughs> we, and she said, well, it'll come. It always does. Right. You know, but she said, I don't have it in my hand. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, I'm sorry. I can't dump this, you know, and she's like, okay, you know, and mm-hmm. so he starts loading stuff up and she walks out to the mailbox opens the mailbox, pulls out, there's a letter from me, $500, really? the day that the guy was there. That's amazing. You know, and amazing. I mean, only God could do something like that. Yep, that's you know? amazing. I mean, it's just, you couldn't write that, you know. So then, then you got to go back and ask the guy with the concrete truck. Yeah. You do know where this came from. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I'm sure it was a great testimony for Absolutely. him. He may have got saved right there. You never know. Afternoon. Absolutely never know. You never know how that's how. How 
you never know how it's going to work. You never no. know how far those ripples spread, yeah, um, and where they go to. It's it's a uh, it's pretty pretty interesting. Um, it is. It, it what some of the most innocuous, mundane things you can think of that you do if they're done uh, it, it, for the right reasons and in the right manner. What what it can be turned into? Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So. Yeah. So what is that? So where does that leave Otto now? Now I mean we're uh, we're we're back to writing. Um, now you did. You're not totally done with film because you just did one here in Hot Springs yeah. not terribly long. Ago. Yeah, I did one here about uh, I don't guess it's been about four years ago. Yeah. Um, another weird. You know, I went down. I was in a small film uh, down in Waco, Texas. Um, had a small part, just a faith based film a church was doing, mm-hmm. and I'd met a guy. Through a mutual friend, Scott Mendez, who's a world champion bull rider. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got me this small role in a film down there. Right. And so I went down there, and a buddy of mine had just come to town who was a racetrack chaplain. And I was like, hey, you want to take a ride with me to Waco? You know, we'll go down, stay the night. I'm going to shoot this one scene. It was a small part. He's like, yeah, that sounds good. So we went down together. On our way back from Waco to Hot Springs in six hours, God just drops a script in our lap. Wow. I mean, gives us the entire story. I mean, we weren't seeking it. We weren't looking for it. It just right. happened. There it was. And uh, so we get back to Hot Springs, and we're like, okay, what do we do with this? <laughs> you know, you know, we got this whole outline for a script. I've never wrote a script. He's never wrote a script, mm-hmm. you know. And so I was like, well, I guess, you know, we start writing it. So six months later, we got the script finished. We're like, okay, now we got a script. What do we do with that? You mm-hmm. know? And it was like, we felt like God said, you know, spread it around. See yeah. what happens, you know? Yeah. And so I was going to speak at a chapel in, um, at the fairgrounds in New Orleans. And when I got done, you know, preaching, you know, I just kind of felt led to share it. You know, I said, well, you know, I'd like y'all to pray for us. You know, we've written the script, blah, blah, blah. And... After the service, this trainer comes up to me. I used to ride for for years, and he's like, any chance I could get a copy of that script? He said, that sounds interesting. I'd like to read it. I said, yeah, sure. So I gave him my copy. About two weeks later, he calls us. He says, hey, he said, uh, I really, man, I couldn't put that thing down. I loved it. You know, he said, man, God, you could just feel God's presence on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm going to send y'all a check for $50,000 to get your wow. movie started. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> did that just happen? <laughs> right. I didn't ask him for the money, right. you know, and it just, he gave it to us and, you know, we were able to get all our cameras and lights and stuff with that money. And, mm-hmm. um, all of our actors were volunteer mm-hmm. and dude, God brought us some talent that, you know, you'd had, I wouldn't think you'd go to Hollywood and find much better, you know, and it's people that I've known. Right. Well, some of them were, some of them, Scott McClard was yeah. one of the main guys in right. it and was phenomenal. I mean, this guy brought it. I was just like, dude, where'd you been hiding this? You know, <laughs> you made me feel bad. <laughs> right. Man, um, he brought us, you know, several actors that just really, we had a little kid uh, from uh, Malvern called Hayden. It played Scott McClard when he was a kid. Okay. And because uh, it went through three stages from young, like seven, eight years old to teenage years and then adults. And uh, the young kid was just 
unbelievable. I mean, this kid really belongs in Hollywood. Really? You know, films anyway. I don't know if he right. belongs in Hollywood because he's on fire for the Lord. <laughs> this right. kid is. But, uh, oh, he's unbelievable. He, every, all the dinner theaters in Little Rock mm-hmm. and place, every, everything he auditions for, he gets the lead in. Really? I mean, and, but he had never acted before us. Right. You know, and he's just like, he heard about it through a church and he's like, hey, mom, I want to go do yeah. that. And she yeah. took him and, Man, I mean, we were blown away. We were like, "Wow, where did you where did you come from?" Right. You know? And then his mom ended up playing uh, Scott McClard's wife in the film, and she was just as good. I mean, they were they were spectacular. But it huh. was just it was it was a God thing, you know. I mean, he put it together, yeah. you know. And you know, it was a neat story. It was a basically a modern day telling of the prodigal son. Was okay. What it was. Yeah. And and what was the name of that one? Cowboys and Jesus. Cowboys and Jesus. Yeah. Okay. I I remember when that um, was being talked about around town. And had I been in a different position than what I was in, I really wanted to come out and audition for it. And uh, I just was not in a in a position where I could afford to take the time right to go do it. Um, and that's a big, you know. I mean, we had like I said, with a lot of people, Scott. Yeah put a lot of time in for right. nothing because we didn't have a budget to pay him with. Right. You know? right. Let us use his restaurant. You know, we mm. filmed scenes in McClard's, which mm. was hard to do because all you oh, could do I was bet. smell that food. <laughs> I didn't want to work. I just wanted to eat. Right. I in there, but. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's acting is something I'm going to try my hand at one of these days. I've got a, another friend of mine that I went to high school with that um, he's uh, kind of reinvented his life um, as a, as a, small he does small projects locally here in louisiana and places and he's been after me man come on just just come do a project with us and and audition for it see if you get the part and you know let's yeah. just you just just for fun you know yeah. wherever it goes is wherever it goes but you know let's you ought to do it so i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a shot one of these days when i got the time to do it. and i got you know the the pocket theater here in town um I've got people that have been on me about coming out and doing that. I'm like, now nah, I really don't have time for that because you guys are there like five nights a week. Yeah, you're either rehearsing or you're doing a show, and I yeah. I can't devote <laughs> five nights a week to it yet. Yeah. But uh, I'll tell you, I, I never would have my wildest dreams imagined how much I enjoyed acting. I mean, yeah, you know, when I was in school, I was an athlete. And the right. People that were in drama were people who couldn't play sports yeah they were on that top was, that was yeah, that was what polar you, that was in my mind it's yeah. like if you, the people who act are the ones who can't who aren't athletic right. that's why they do that but, right that's the reason i played music i mean it was <laughs> it was awesome i mean yeah. i absolutely loved it and would love to do more but you know it's just it's been one of them things and i prayed about it and you know i mean he did give me this, the cowboys and jesus and i played a bull rider in that one mm-hmm. but um you know, I would love to do more acting. I've actually got a really awesome idea for a script. I just hadn't had the time to sit down and write right. it. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite things uh, to study when I'm in the Word is healing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what trail I get on, that's where I always come back to. You know, I just love reading in the Gospels and in Acts, you know, when the disciples, you know, people were just getting healed left and right. And right. I'm just like, that's not done that's still available absolutely today. yeah absolutely. and so uh you know and i love it you know there ain't nothing better than praying for somebody and seeing prayer answered right you know, i've had right. people i prayed for with cancer that are cancer free now mm-hmm. you know i've seen leg lame legs 
eco sound and yeah. You know, I mean, I haven't seen a blind eye open yet. <laughs> I, I tried it <laughs> a while back. We had a lady yeah. come in our church one day. This was a neat story. My daughter had gone to a doctor and uh, for just a, you know, regular eye exam. She's 10 mm-hmm. years old. And they said they saw something on her retina that was very concerning. Mm-hmm. And it was this disease. I can't remember what the disease was called, but they said, you know, she could be blind within the next two years, you know. And, I mean, mm-hmm. as a parent, to hear your 10-year-old fixing to get be blind. Oh, yeah. It's you know, that was a kick in the so gut. I was just like, no. I told mm-hmm. my wife, I said, we're not receiving that. You know, mm-hmm. God God can fix that. You know, it's not a problem. Right. And so um, a couple days before, I think her appointment was like on a Wednesday. On that Sunday, I'm in church and uh, I do the – kind of the introductory, you know, before church starts. And so, uh, this lady comes in our church and a woman's leading her. I can tell she's blind, you know, and I see her. And as soon as I see her, it's like, pray for her, you know? And I, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll pray for her. And then he's like, no, pray for her. Right. You know, and I'm like, I've got the microphone, I'm, <laughs> you know, making announcements and it's just like, you know, and it just wouldn't stop. It's like, and I'm like, okay, you know, he's really wanting me to go over there and, pray for this woman right right in front of everybody like right now (laughs) yeah and um and i you know it's kind of like to go back to the track i was kind of you know Mm -hmm. that's a little out of my comfort zone Mm -hmm. and um this lady in in the worship group behind me as i'm doing announcements they're getting ready she's she gives gets a prophecy for me (laughs) she's out of god i felt like you said you know when he calls you to step out of the boat, step out of the boat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got, got it. So I'll do that now I for a lightning strike. The lady had like a red shirt on and yeah. I'm not thinking, you know, I look, I said, ma'am, the lady in the red shirt. <laughs> and the one next to her goes, she's blind. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. Tell her said, she's wearing a red shirt, please. <laughs> I said, I would like to pray with you, you know, and and would that be okay? And she, you know, said, yeah, that'd be good. So I come off the stage, walk down there, you know, and I said, I'm just going to place my hand over your eyes. And I prayed for her, you know, and man, I really believed it. I was like, man, God told me to do it. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen, you know, and so mm-hmm. I prayed for it and I had everybody kind of turn stretched their hands towards her and I got done praying and I took my hand off. I said, can you see anything? And she's like, no, no. I said, can I pray again? Jesus did it twice. One time with a blind right. guy. So, uh, I did it again and still no. And I was just like, okay. I said, well, you know, and I said, don't, don't think just because it hadn't happened now that it's not going to, you know, right. I said, it's right. all in his timing. And so I went back and finished my announcements and everything. And after church, I got home and I was just like, all right, God, you know, what, what's up with that? Why, why'd you make, you know, I didn't say, why'd you make me look like a fool? But I'm like, right. why'd you ask me to do that if you weren't going right. to do it? You know, mm-hmm. and, and I was like, you know, I know it's your timing, you know, but am I missing something? Did I do mm-hmm. something wrong? You know, and right. uh, I felt like he told me, he says, uh, how did, how do you say it? It was uh, the seed you sow is the seed you'll grow. Mm-hmm. What you what you sow, you'll reap. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that doesn't make any sense to me, really. You know, when I sow, 
I'll read. Mm -hmm. So I kind of let it go. Well, Wednesday, my daughter goes to the specialist in Cincinnati because they're wanting to get on top of this thing with their Mm -hmm. eyes. And they get her in there and they dilate her eye and they look at it. And the doctor comes out and tells my wife, he says, there ain't a thing wrong. He said, I don't see nothing in there. Really? You know, he says, I don't know what they were seeing, but there's, you know, her eyes are fine. Huh. And when my wife called me and told me that, it came back to mind, the seed you sow is the seed you grow. Right. And it's a, you know, I, I stepped out and prayed for her. I planted seed there. Right. And he gave me a harvest. Somewhere daughter, else, yeah. You know, and uh, you know, that's something I hadn't thought of though. Is that the where you, where you plant it may not be necessarily where it, where it grows. Yeah, uh, so I hadn't thought it, about it that. It was neat. And after that, I started seeing a lot of that. You yeah. know, in different. I had a lady uh, in our Bible study in Indiana that had a shoulder that was hurting her real bad, and mm-hmm. so I said, you know, y'all gather around after we got done, we prayed over, you know, and the next morning her shoulder was doing great you know and she's like look man i got motion in it and everything i was like hey man you know god god did it and then uh one of the ladies that was praying for or came up and just laid hands on her as i was praying for she calls me she says have you ever had it when you're praying for somebody and somebody else gets healed (laughs) and i was like I don't know why, why you asked. She goes, well, when we were praying for Tammy last night, she goes, I've been having trouble with my shoulder mm-hmm. and the pain's and gone. gone. I said, amen. Yeah. <laughs> don't said, question He's it. no respecter of persons. Right, you know? right. <laughs> she's like, I just thought that was weird. You didn't even pray for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he had given me, a, the other girl, he actually gave me a word, you know, and said, because right. I asked her, I said, something going, because she hadn't told me. And so, yeah, it's neat. I mean, it, yeah. that's the cool, that's the part that I struggle with in healing is he never does it the same way twice. Right. It doesn't seem, it, you know, mm-hmm. you, you get in your mind, this is how it has to happen. And he can do it a whole different, a whole different way, way yeah. you know? So you just got to keep an open mind, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I think we got to press in, you know, he wants us to press in. You know, right. I had a lady at uh, the track. It was limping, and I was working on a horse in my wand, you know, and she's like, you know, does that help people? I was like, yeah, it does, you know, and I'm thinking, boy, I'd really like to pray for her, you know, and, yeah. and so we got done, you know, she came over there, and I said, uh, I said, can we try something else? She's like, what? And I said, I want to pray for you. I said, can I pray for your leg? And she's like, well, yeah, I guess, you know, and I said, it. If God doesn't heal it, I said, I'll come back tomorrow and I'll put the machine on it. Right. I said, how's that? You know, and then that put her at ease. She's yeah. like, okay, I'm going to get treatment. I got a backup plan. <laughs> yeah, I got right. a backup <laughs> And so I got down on my knee and then she kind of was like, whoa, what are you doing? And I just put my hand on her leg. I prayed for it. Mm-hmm. I said, test it out, you know, and she tested it. You know, it still hurts, you know, and I prayed for her a couple more times and she tested it every time and it's still hurting. I yeah. said, well, you know, just, just believe. I said, he'll, mm-hmm. he'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the next morning I'm coming off the track and she's standing out by the gap where we come off and she hollers at me. She said, Hey, Otto. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she starts doing this little dance. She goes, 
no more pain. She goes, it was done five minutes after you left. It quit wow. hurting. And I was like, well, praise God. She goes, I told everybody if they got something wrong, come see. <laughs> I said, whoa, well, time out. It ain't me. <laughs> I, said, I, I said, I'll be happy to pray with anybody. But yeah. I said, I'm not the one that did it. Uh, yeah, they'll be thinking you're the guy around that place. I uh, read a book by uh, Cornell West. Uh, he's a he's a he's a professor and kind of an intellectual, I guess. Um, and he was uh, when he was growing up, uh, he, he was I guess his father and his grandfather both were were pastors, and um, he had a really bad asthma. And he said they tried everything. Doctors couldn't fix him. He loved playing basketball, but you know he yeah. said I, his his big brother was afraid he's going to die on the court. You yeah. know. And um, he said they'd they'd prayed about it and prayed about it, and doctors couldn't fix it. Nothing would fix it. And he said he was in the in the store one day, and I'm imagining this as a as a small town um, in in kind of a at Cornell West is probably in his I would say seventies. So from the time he was a kid, it just in in my mind it takes you back to. The old days of little corner stores, but right. that's where you got everything. And um, and he walks in, and the lady that was at the counter said, "You're that little West boy that's got asthma, aren't you?" And he said, "Yeah, I am." And she said, uh, "I'm going to give you a name of somebody to go see, and um, she can take care of that asthma." And um, he says, "Okay." So she writes down this name uh, and an address on a piece of paper and hands it to him, and walks out. And his big brother says, "No, uh." You know that's that's voodoo. That's a voodoo woman. We we're not we're not, we're not doing that. You, you know our daddy and granddaddy kill us both, yeah. and we're not going there. And um, so one thing led to another, and uh, it got to the point where I believe that he collapsed playing basketball. I forgive me if I get it wrong, but to make a long story short, he wound up over at the at the voodoo lady's um, house and. Uh, and she conjured up something and cut off a lock of his hair and said some things, this, that, and other, and told him to go pin the lock of hair out on the fence post back behind the house <laughs> and and then don't ever think about it ever again, And um, which he did. And he said, I have no idea what she said, what she did, never had asthma since. And he's like, but I never told because I never told mom and daddy what I did either. They found out, you know, that they'd gone to see the, yeah. the voodoo lady. But uh, and he's a he's a pretty devout Christian. Yeah. And he's like, well, they would have beat me senseless if they'd known right. that I was entertaining the thought. And he said, you know, it was it was getting to the point where it could have been a life or death, you know, scenario. And and yeah. it was, you know, well, you know, let's go see what happens. But so there's a, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm not much of a voodoo guy yeah at all but i don't know man there's uh you know who knows but uh so anyway um i've got did you ever watch inside the actor's studio uh they would bring actors on and uh the guy that hosted it his name was james lipton and uh he had a questionnaire that he would ask it was 10 questions he would ask every guest uh he didn't come up with a questionnaire uh a french a journalist by the name of Bernard Pivot came up with a questionnaire, uh, and he adapted it to his show. And it's amazing what you can find out and the insight of people based on on uh, these ten questions. So, um, with your permission, I'd like to ask you these ten questions, okay. and then after that, we'll we'll close this thing up. Um, Otto, what's your favorite word? Favorite word? 
<laughs> I don't know. Probably amen. <laughs> All right. Good enough. What's your least favorite word? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that one either. <laughs> so what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Uh, seeing God move. What turns you off? Seeing people write write that off as luck. <laughs> okay. Uh, at the risk of ruining your reputation here, what's your favorite curse word? <sighs> it, and we can go back to the third grade playground. They don't have to be. <laughs> they don't have to be big bad mean ones. Um, I don't know. Probably shit. <laughs> That's probably what I've used more than anything. Yeah, it's kind of an all-encompassing. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Sound and noise. Oh, thundering of dozen horse hooves. Pretty exciting. Yeah. What sound or noise do you hate? The sound of dozen horse hooves <laughs> on the ground when your horse is gone Depends down. Depends on where you're at Depends when you hear where you're at when oh, you hear yeah. them. <laughs> What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Acting. <laughs> I guess I'm going to say that. <laughs> That's fair enough. What profession would you least like to attempt? Um, probably bull riding. Yeah. Even though I've actually tried it. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do it again. <laughs> Once was enough. Once was enough. <laughs> And uh, lastly, uh, if heaven exists, which I believe both you and I believe that it does, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well done. Very good. Awesome. <laughs> Otto, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. Thank I you very much. It. You bet.